0: You're listening to the It's Okay to Cry podcast with Bronte Spicer. Conversations on dissolving depression the gentle way and rebuilding our model for mental health. Welcome back everyone to the It's Okay to Cry podcast and this is episode six. And I feel like this is going to be a juicy episode with Amanda Goodfellow, who's the director of Agile Mind. She's also a meditation and mindfulness teacher and she's also studying to be to become a KI facilitator too. So welcome, Amanda. You're welcome and thank you. And I today we, we wanted, to? this kind of was sparked from a conversation that we've had uh, recently about crying and I just find it so funny because I've written a book called It's Okay to Cry and obviously the podcast is called It's Okay to Cry but I think you and I both have had this experience of Having mental illness and um and, and really not feeling like it is okay to cry. And we're both in this process of unhooking ourselves and from all of the stories that we believe to be true about ourselves and the world, and we're still, you know, there is still that resistance, even though there's so much work that we have done, there is still that resistance to to feeling like it is okay to cry. And I guess I just want to touch on that the intention for this episode is really to create a safe and sacred space for anyone who's listening to realise the beauty and the value of crying Um, and and we know that it's not always easy and so we're here to open the discussion, yeah, perhaps unravel the the resistance to crying and and what is actually a beautiful natural healing um, process within our human experience. So Amanda would you mind just starting and starting with a personal share of where you've been what your experience with mental illness has been and perhaps what crying meant for you back in the day before you started finding mindfulness and meditation and and work like the killer bee inquiries So
1: I- I think my story is is similar to so many people that I know. I I grew up in a normal household. Um, You know, my parents divorced when I was young, but that was also not that unusual. Um, I felt like my childhood was pretty fine. I was really good at school. I was good at sport. I had lots of friends. I felt like things were kind of fine. Um, And then when I turned 19, I guess when I left school, my mum and stepdad... Um, split up. Uh, I also felt very lost. I think just that security and structure of school and being a good girl, you know, like you just have to kind of follow the steps and you get a pat on the back. And, you know, that, that was all really easy for me. And then when you leave school, those kind of cues are gone. And um, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't, you know, no one was telling me what I should do. (laughs) Um, And I felt really, really lost. And my way of not feeling those feelings was to develop an eating disorder, which was really baffling to me. I I just, I've never, this is something that I never really understood at all. And yet there I was, um, you know, fading away. So that resulted in um, a lot of hospitalisation over about five or six years. Um, And the treatment for that was antidepressants and talk therapy and weight gain, basically just um, so locking me in a room for six to eight weeks um, and feeding me. So on a physical level that obviously, you know, was effective, but I left the hospital over and over again still feeling the same you know, still terrified of my feelings, still terrified of my pain. And I don't think that was ever really addressed. Um, I guess to the outside world, I looked like I was normal again. Um, And crying, I guess, came, but the antidepressants really stopped that flow of tears. So I found I didn't laugh as much and I didn't cry as much. I was just a little bit deadened around the edges. Um, but to be a sort of a functioning human that's that's fine, right? Like I could still go to work and go out on a Saturday night and drink and party, and you know that was all that was all fine. um so it wasn't really until I found meditation um about twenty years ago because the depression was was still there. I was on antidepressants for 20 years and yet I'd still get really depressed. And I was really curious about that. You know, I was a intelligent, reasonably healthy person. And yet I was completely at the mercy of these waves of depression. And when I started to learn to meditate, I I had a light bulb moment where I thought, oh, finally, there's something that I can use to understand my inner world and understand how to have a break from that turmoil and the treadmill going around all the time. And so that was beautiful. And, you know, that's definitely been a life-changing technique for me. Um, Obviously, I love it. I I teach others now. It's been so great. Where I found its limitations was that when I sat in that space of balance or Centeredness or calm or whatever you call that, I still actually had the fundamental belief that there was something wrong with me, that I wasn't okay, I wasn't lovable, I was useless, and that's where Ki has stepped in and shifted that. So, yeah, and we, you know, we can talk a bit more about that, but that's been a you know a really fundamental shift for me, and certainly
0: <laughs> has opened the floodgates. and years and years, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda, for sharing your your story. And um, we have, yeah, many parallels, um, which we've we've had many conversations about. Um, and I, I too found found meditation to be a beautiful relief um, during my depression and during those twenty years of depression. Um, and I can also recognise that there was an element of spiritual bypassing, which is kind of similar to what you're referring to in that it it can be a great tool to help us find that relief, that mental relief. At the same time, we have this kind of inherent stuff underneath the surface that's telling us that we're not okay and that there's something wrong with us. For me, when I cried, uh, particularly, and I also want to just reflect back to you what you're sharing about functioning with antidepressants like that's what I did too I was like cool I'll take those antidepressants so I can function I can get out of bed get to work and I'm not in a pool of tears uh, every day for me this was around the time that my mum was diagnosed with terminal cancer and she maybe had a year or two left of of her life Um, and for me crying at that time um, and for many years before and after meant that I was falling apart. They were the words, the stories that came with me crying. I just wonder when you cried or or when you cry and you kind of, you don't let yourself cry or you don't want to cry, what does it mean about you when when you cry? So um, at the same time as my
1: um Parents went through that second split. Um, my mum also got diagnosed with terminal cancer, so, so snap to that. Yes, it's a very it was, you know, a very difficult experience as a young person. But the crying around that time, yeah, it meant that you weren't in control. It's messy. People don't know what to do with it. They just want it to stop. Um, they want you to be okay. And, you know, because I'm a people pleaser, <laughs> I wanted to show everyone how okay I was there's no space for the for tears there's no space to feel sad there's you know it's just get it get over any of those unwanted feelings as quickly as we can and get back to work you know get on with the job so I still feel like that now um to some extent it's it's really interesting to watch that process where you know I don't want to get out of bed or you know there's There's some big feelings coming up. It's, you know, wow, okay, I need to make space for these now. Whereas I I would never have done that before. It would have been distract, 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 however you can, whether that's not eating, whether it's exercising, whether it's drinking, you know, whatever, choose your your thing. But, um, yeah, it's a really powerful habit that I think a lot of humans have um to, to one extent or another
0: yeah and we get that feedback right like i can i can remember mum telling me weeks before she died oh don't cry and i remember a few months ago my pa who's 94 oh no that was last year i i was i cried i was had tears in my eyes and he's like stop it you silly woman <laughs> um, i can you know think of my dad when i'm welling up and he's like uh, you know, telling me to, to think positively and um, don't worry. Actually, they're the words he uses. So we kind of get this feedback. And I, I know as a teacher, when I was a teacher uh, in the classroom, we didn't have time for my students to be crying because we had X, Y, Z to finish by the end of the day. And if we didn't get that done, then we'd be behind with the rest of the term of, of curriculum. What was that like? Because I know that you worked in the corporate world um, before you moved into your work in Agile Mind. So, I mean, I can probably guess what it was like, but can you speak more on on this lack of time and space for for crying in the corporate world?
1: Oh God, yeah, it's it's definitely not welcomed. <laughs> well, that that's been my experience. Um, I mean, in everything, in everything about the corporate world, as I look back with hindsight, is, you know, failure's not okay, vulnerability's not okay, big emotions aren't okay, tears are definitely not okay. Um, You know, it's really a sterile kind of environment where only good news and success and profit and growth and that's really all that was welcomed. So anything that wasn't that was met with kind of scepticism or fear or hushed voices you know it's um it's a very strange very strange environment and again yeah a lot of people you know spend their days in that environment so I mean I think that's changing I think the support around that is slowly shifting but yeah I think it'll be a while before we see you know tears and hugs and <laughs> space to feel in the corporate environment. It's a very masculine environment if I can put it that way.
0: Yeah. So it's basically not not conducive for human beings the way it's set up.
1: It's really not. Like physically, emotionally, anything about it, you know, like no natural light, fluores, long hours, yeah, just it's pretty horrible. Um so yeah, I'd like I'd be happy to see that
0: change. <laughs> So I want to shift to the killer bee inquiries for me when I was guided to to cry in a KI session myself um for the first time I it was at first very confronting because I didn't I I had the thought I didn't want to cry and then I was I was held in this safe space so I felt okay I felt safe to cry so I cried and then I was taken my KI facilitator took me to to putting my attention on the sensation, so the physical sensation of how it feels to cry. And what I found through that was a sense of deep pleasure from the process of crying. So rather than crying about the thing that I was sad about, I was actually putting my attention on the the physical sensations of crying and what I found was, yeah, beauty, pleasure, relief, a deep, deep sense of peace and connection with myself, almost like a coming-home experience. And I wonder if I know that you've cried in, in many KI sessions and I also want to also add to that back to antidepressants, how it numbs it. Uh, for me, when I stopped taking uh, antidepressants and I was using the killer bee inquiries to manage manage my emotions and thoughts and I and I continue to do so. I did find frequent intense days where I did cry a lot and it felt like I had so many tears it, it just couldn't possibly be all of my own stuff but looking back and reflecting on well I was on antidepressants for 12 years that's 12 years of suppressed emotion and tears and crying. So um what's your experience of of crying in a KI session and what has has it brought you in terms of your healing
1: Yeah that's a great question well I have never not cried in a KI session so um, it's sort of just become <laughs> become the norm and I welcome it and I love it and I and yes I agree I feel like each time that's clearing something that hasn't that I haven't given space to clear before And it's always really surprising what that is or where it goes. And and for me, a lot of that was letting go. I remember going to to my psychologist or a psychiatrist and saying, Jesus, you know, I'm 40 years old. Why do I care about what I felt like when I was five? Like I just, that was just ridiculous to me. Like I just wanted to get on with being a healthy, happy adult, completely discounting what KI has taught me, which is, we need to go back to where that happened to feel it and to give it the space and to let those tears come. And it's just the most beautiful feeling. It, it really is. It, it's just so wonderful to finally be able to give that little girl or that emotion, that room, to feel what it's been wanting to feel for 47 years now. And it's wonderful. It's it's a real gift. And um. know i i can't wait to start to to help others to do that it's um because you know it really doesn't matter who i talk to i i can see that we're all carrying stuff you know Mm -hmm. some big some small but you know we all need to learn how to do this in a safe and welcoming way
0: Mm -hmm. thank you thank you for being so open I did share. I actually found out from a co facilitator on a retreat I ran two years ago that when we cry physiologically, when the tears reach our jawline, oxy- oxytocin is produced through the body. So, you, you know, that experience that when you do cry and, and, yeah, there is almost this sense of joy or, um, you know, when you just let the tears stream all the way down. <laughs> and just recently I went to a funeral and with it's okay to cry in my mind. I just let the tears come right, right. And I'm sure my face was just bright red and blotchy because my auntie turned around and looked at my face and she, you could see she was like shocked at, at how I looked because I just didn't <laughs> hold back. And so this is my practice of showing others and, and I guess rewriting the our collective story that it is okay to cry. Like I really think that the only way for us to change change the story about crying and, and help us realise that it's safe and it's actually really a, a helpful and healing process is to actually openly cry in, in front of others.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really true. I think I might have mentioned to you once, you know, I've had a few KI sessions now and it's still this kind of deep sobbing, you know, every time. And, and one of the last sessions I went, oh, well, you know, is that enough now? You know, like I sort of... had given myself an acceptable limit of maybe the first few would be intense and then it would sort of neatly trail off into just a couple of, you know, niche little tears. But it's still still really intense. Um, And I did kind of question that going, oh, well, you know, is this too much now? Which is, you know, just funny to watch that. And something else I'll share, which is slightly embarrassing, but um, I did a session once and I was in in my bedroom just with my laptop with the facilitator and um, I bought a couple of tissues because I thought I'd cry but it just didn't cut it you know I was sobbing and sobbing and so (laughs) I had to take the pillowcase off my pillow so I could wipe away (laughs) oh the tears there were just so many Uh, I just felt it's almost like doing a workout like afterwards I went right that was good yeah,
0: good. Yeah. I feel like maybe you know how they used to have laughing yoga or the laughing groups like that was maybe 10 years ago maybe we should start circles of crying <laughs> yeah see what comes from that I don't know if yeah. that would work um but um <laughs> tough yeah song. yeah uh that's cool well thank you so much Amanda it's it's such a heartfelt topic um yeah learning how to feel safe to cry really questioning ourselves and and perhaps bringing to our awareness um these distracting methods that we have and our reactions to suppress or distract or put our attention somewhere else or tell ourselves not to be silly or all of that in this kind of becoming more aware of those moments and then being being able to create a safe space for us to cry can bring such healing that that you and I and relief and beauty and pleasure and connection that you and I have both experienced so if you are listening and um Actually, perhaps by the time you're listening to this, Amanda, you may even be a a certified KI facilitator. So if you're resonating, if you're listening to to us and you're resonating with um, either of us and you'd like to take this further and really process what's deep-seated and underneath the surface in a safe way and learn how, how to cry in a space that feels gentle and nurturing and supportive then um, I'll leave the details for both Amanda and I uh, and our KI sessions in the show notes so so thank you so much Amanda for uh, joining me today
1: thank you for having me Bronte and for introducing me to KI so it's it's been a wonderful experience life-changing actually
0: yeah absolutely me too thank you we'll see you next time